forever. Dog. Welcome to Public Intellectual. Public Intellectual is a podcast supported solely by its listeners. So if you would like the podcast to continue to exist, please go to patreon.com slash public intellectual, where you can get access as a supporter to bonus episodes, a blog, and we're moving forward on the zine idea so that the upper level supporters will have something other than just me saying their name out loud and a tote bag with my fucking face on it. So go to patreon.com slash public intellectual. I know that we have already done an episode about the movie L, but it's my podcast and I get to do whatever I want. But I thought there were a few other things left to say about this film, particularly about the radical optimism of its ending. And to be able to find radical optimism in a movie about rape and violation, I think is extraordinary. And I'm only slightly disappointed. No, I'm I'm pretty, pretty disappointed that it took men to bring this project to us, a male director, Paul Verhoeven, a male novelist, and a male screenwriter. Obviously, Isabelle Huppert uh, helped to create the final version, but for the most part, this is a vision of optimism for women that has been provided by men. So I invited my friend Marta Perano. We watched the movie in Madrid, drank some wine, and recorded this conversation for you. I hope you enjoy. A couple days ago, Jermaine Greer, who is actually like everybody's embarrassing drunk aunt of feminism, uh, gave a speech that I think like everybody's drunk aunt, like she occasionally hits on something interesting and says something, you know, interesting. Like she she's she catches on to a vibe that nobody else wants to say at the dining dining room table, but everyone's angry at her for saying it at the dining room table. Uh, she she gave a talk wherein she says that um, you know the majority of rape is not violent, and if your rape is not violent, maybe you shouldn't experience it distinctly as trauma like maybe there should be another response to it and maybe we shouldn't put so much emphasis on rape since it's actually such a common experience and it's not always violent and et cetera, et cetera. um and of course she was absolutely massacred by the feminist press but it's not it's not a stupid idea and also i think that this is a good angle with which to start talking about Elle, a movie that we just watched after a lot of wine. Um, so uh, yeah, um, let's let's talk about that. Let's start there. Right. So I think there is two things to uh, consider here. One of them is the fact that uh, women have been raped uh, endlessly for endlessly. you know ever, yeah. uh, and 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 have been told to shut the fuck up about it because you know nobody cares about your situation mm -hmm. because it's not important what you want. So there is that one thing, but the other thing is like you're not supposed to survive a rape, right? Like you you don't have you don't have the right to actually uh, 
just get over it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if you're a soldier and you're experiencing, or a, a, a war correspondent and you're experiencing, um, you know, the yeah. death of, I don't know, like maybe 500 people in one day uh, around you, you're supposed to, you're supposed to be traumatized by it because that's your human condition. But, um, but there is something about the way you are also supposed like a man to get over it and just keep going with your life. That is not, uh, that is not a possibility for us women. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to, to be destroyed by it. Yeah. We, there is actually, um, it's funny you mentioned this because there, there has been this one case in Spain that was very, very notorious about a, a girl that was raped by five five men in Spain in an alley during um, San Fermín, which is this Hemingway uh, preferred party. <laughs> where oh God, I didn't know Hemingway was involved. Okay. Yeah. Well, Hemingway was not involved in the rape. Well, directly, <laughs> right. Like, yeah. But he but. he loved this San Fermín thing where you run in front of a, a bunch of animals and uh, some of them human, some of them actual bulls. <laughs> And then, and then you just, you know, you just run around town and get really drunk and etc. And so this woman was um, was raped by uh, five different guys that were calling themselves. Uh, I don't know how would you say this in English, like a a, a gang. Um, how do you say a pack of wolves? A, a pack. Yeah, they call themselves the pack. And so uh, two of them were actually like, you know, one of them was a was a guard and the other one was a training to be a policeman so of the course. kind of men that are supposed to be protecting women from being raped but um at the end of the day they um they they found this girl uh coming back home uh you're like i don't know late late at night and they ended up in an alley they uh they took off her phone they raped her in turns they recorded it in their mobile phones and shared them shared the videos with her friends so it was not a subtle uh situation and yet the whole court case ran around uh, what she did next. And um, the, the, the defender of this five men was claiming that the fact that she went to birthday parties, that she uploaded photographs on her Facebook account, and that she was apparently mm -hmm. having fun and just going on with her life was a clear evidence that she hadn't been raped in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's like, that's, uh, well, there are a couple responses to that. I guess the sort of, the the first thing that sort of cropped into my mind is that weirdly, you know, um, right before, I guess, um, Anthony Bourdain killed himself, uh, there were pictures being, you know, sort of uploaded of him having a good time and, and, and he was talking to his girlfriend over the phone and, and this was sort of like confusing to people as if there weren't multiple levels of shit going on underneath the surface. Um, but also this idea that you're supposed to be sort of wholly destroyed by rape has been, I think, both advanced by um a sort of masculine culture of you know if if i knock you down you better fucking stay down kind of thing um but then also from feminist response to rape culture which is that this is the worst thing that could possibly happen to you um which i don't know if that's actually i don't know if that's actually true um and it's weird how you're not allowed to 
question that. I do think that it's it's a it's a natural response to um try to pretend like everything is okay. There's certainly been sort of high profile cases of abuse or rape that have been tossed out of court because um, you know, following being abused or raped, the woman texted with the guy who did it. And I think that that's a natural response is to try to manage that situation, to try to sort of normalize the situation by sending sort of very normal signals and normal messages. Um, but at the same time, I don't think it's, um, I do think this, uh, this idea that comes from both sides of, of the culture that you're ultimately supposed to be just absolutely wrecked by what has just happened to you. I don't think that that actually serves women. Um, I think it's, I think it's, it is possible to kind of not to just like stand up and brush yourself off after you've been raped by five men. But, um, uh, yeah, I'm going to stop talking right now <laughs> before I get into trouble and hand it over to you. Here's, here's the hand grenade. You deal with it. <laughs> well, I think, Probably is 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 a bit similar to when to when women get an abortion, no? Like there is this um, this pro life people talking about women getting abortions like they are getting the pill, you know? Like right. like they just do it like some random thing. It's like you're supposed to be destroyed by an abortion the same way you get destroyed about rape. Um, like you cannot make decisions about how to reconfigure your life after an event uh, that involves your sexuality or your uh, possibility of being a mother, mm -hmm. uh, because of course that's that's all you're all about. Um, so but then on the, on the abortion front, like then on the other side is from the feminist side of things, the message is that you're not supposed to feel anything. Like weirdly, that's the message that a lot of feminists have put forward is that abortion is very casual. And certainly um, uh, uh, feminist writers like Lindy West and, and so on have written these essays of like, well, it's just like getting a tooth pulled. It's like, but it's not. And let's also be adults and and like acknowledge that it's a situation that we're allowed to feel conflicted about. I think in the way that sexual violence, you can feel conflicted about um, and you can have a complicated response to it and you can feel ambivalence about it. But there's weirdly, because maybe because these situations get so quickly politicized and so you're supposed to feel one way or another based on your political affiliation, if because I'm pro-choice, if I have an abortion, I'm supposed to feel casual about it, which I have definitely felt pressure to feel casual about my abortions, which I don't. Um, it's weird how it becomes hardline um, on both sides fast and complication is not allowed from either side. Well, the result of the end is that you're always fucking it up. Either yeah, way, <laughs> always doing it wrong, no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way to do it right. Like if you have an abortion because you think you have the right to have the life you choose, mm -hmm. and that um, yeah, you have you have that right uh, to configure your life the way you want it. Then um, if you feel bad about it, then you're what? What are you? You're you're like a like a crazy crazy person. And if you feel okay about it, then you're a psychopath. Right. Then which is yeah, then you're then you have no feelings and no heart whatsoever. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You're not a you're not a woman. 
yeah. um, because you know you're not suffering the loss of a child you didn't want. Um, and of course, the whole movie is pretty much about this. We're talking about the character that is um, handling a number of of men that are all disappointing and uh, and aggressive in different ways. Uh, all of them, each one of them, yes, demanding and. Uh, like she's basically at war with her environment not for not 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 because of her own choosing but because uh basically the the options <laughs> that she's that she has to face are a number of men that are demanding and disappointing and and um and overall um disgusting uh to be honest and yet uh the fact that she that she needs to have some sort of control over her own life and her own environment uh, seems to be like a, a, a perspective that is not uh, allowed to a woman for a woman to have. Mm -hmm. Like she, she's she's just a bitch because she wants her video game the one she wants it, even though it's her own fucking company. Yeah. Because she wants um, her, I don't know, like her, her family to uh you know to have a certain standards even on even even though she's supporting <laughs> each one of them with her own money um and uh and because she wants to have the kind of relationship that she just chooses to have with the men around her even though they are like dicks <laughs> so there's a series of roles that she's offered throughout the film that she just absolutely refuses to play so she's offered the role of wife, the role of mother, the role of boss, the role of daughter, the role of mistress. And she just absolutely refuses all of them and refuses to behave um, in the way that's expected of her because she can't. Because fundamentally, there's something about her that absolutely cannot be the good daughter, that cannot be the good mother, that cannot be whatever. And and you and I both have a kind of discomfort with the way that they've tried to explain that as if that needed to be explained, right? As if, as if it's not possible to um, refuse to be the sort of uh, uh, submissive wife, to be the grateful mistress, to be the loving doting mother of this absolutely horror show of a, of a uh, son. Um, and and yeah, and then it becomes pathology. Um, but I still I still really like her in this movie, and I'm glad that this movie exists a, a, of a woman just like refusing to play the role because it's so obvious what she should be doing in every situation because we have a million movies about, you know, how to be a wife and a mother and, and a mistress and so on. Um, and to just see somebody, know that what's expected of her and reject it absolutely is it's thrilling it's thrilling to watch that i totally agree this is so interesting that she i mean because you know you keep having this voice in your head that says why can't or maybe the whole movie like there is a background voice that can be heard even though it's not there that says why can't you see she'd be nice yeah just being like just <laughs> just say the thing that they want you to say just because you know what it that you know the thing that they want you to say you know it's expected so why can't you just say it just to just to smooth things over and she's like no fuck you <laughs> exactly and i do resent this background story where uh you know 
maybe like we are supposed to understand that the reason why she's so, uh, you know, quotes weird mm -hmm. is because she had this early experience with her dad, which is obviously an ongoing thing in the movie, but still it's like she has no right to be her own person uh, just because she's a woman. <laughs> like, why can't she just like, be herself, be her own thing and do her own thing and reject all this like pseudo like romance and pseudo motherhood and pseudo everything that she's offered um, uh, just because, you know, she, I don't know, <laughs> she's, she's, uh, she's the daughter of this, uh, this, uh, you know, impossible figure that somehow makes her in, in, in incapable of having like motherly love or wifely love or yeah i mean it, but maybe part of the message is that in our part of the message whatever part of whatever's going on is that um as if this were an after school special <laughs> film i don't know why i said message but as if part of what's going on here is that in our contemporary society, what does it actually take to reject those roles wholly and fully, right? Like maybe it does actually take trauma to do that. Um, you know, I, I was sort of weirdly thinking about um, this uh, this book, The Ice Palace by Tarje Vaisas, um, but uh, in it, it has these uh, this girl who experiences sort of trauma and loss at the first time for the first time. And it um, sidelines her. Like she literally can't just be a kid on the playground playing anymore. And she just watches at this point. Like she just stands at the margins and, and watches. And, and I do think that sometimes, and this is horrible to think about, but sometimes it does actually take like a form of violence or trauma to get you out of what's expected of you, especially for women. Maybe I'm taking this too far, but but maybe in our culture that is so controlling over what's expected for women. And I do think, and we can talk about this in a minute, that feminism has somehow narrowed um, rather than expanded the available roles for women to play in our society, that it takes something shoving you out of it forcefully in order to be able to do it. Like of the women that I know who are impressive and crazy and weird and interesting, most of them have experienced something insane in their lives in order to get to them to that point um, that they're not, that they don't feel obligated to conform. And that's awful to think about, but I think it's also, I think it's also maybe true. But isn't that true for pretty much every interesting person? Yes, that you know. Yeah, no, I don't think it's I don't think it's exclusive to women. But I, in the in the sort of confines of of this film and the reality of the film, um, I do think that, and maybe this isn't true. I was going to say I I think that the sort of uh, the roles for women are more sort of tightly controlled. But maybe that's not actually true. Maybe men feel that too, but they just don't talk about it as often as as women do. Well, we definitely have different roles. But it's also true this thing that you sign that trauma um, somehow removes you from, like it has sometimes the effect of, of removing you from an emotional state. But that I, I like to call like the read only 
the re only state, like when you're going through trauma and then afterwards you're just too damaged to to handle things in a natural way. So you sort of like remove yourself from the from the emotional state in order to keep going with your with your life, to you know keep working and quick. I don't know, keep handling things, uh, keep looking after your children and looking after yourself and having showers and eating every day and this yeah. sort of things. And this read only state has has a like peculiarities, no, where you don't have the same relationship with people because the, the emotions are somehow removed from the equation. And um and the thing that we are told over and over again in cinema is that uh, people that suffer great trauma state in this emotion, in this non-emotional state for a very long time, which is obviously what 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 characterizes psychopaths. Mm -hmm. So um, so there is there is a yeah there there is a good chance that most people would, would identify this woman as a psychopath just because she has a removed uh, relationship with most people around her. Like she seems to be devoid of emotions, um, but at the same time, um, women have always been chastised for being too emotional mm -hmm. so um it's like women's uh relationship with other people and with their um like work environments and 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 family environments and and in movies and in real life are always characterized by a, a like a like a too um uh too <laughs> explosive uh uh emotional state mm -hmm. so again it's like you just cannot do it right. Like you're either too emotional because you're being emotional about things and you're being empathic and you want to be a mother and you want to be, um, you know, as it happens uh, with a lot of relationships that women have with men, which is like you end up being their mother and their assistant and their girlfriend and their daughter and their, you know, and you look after them in a way that, that somehow calls for every fucking character in every movie <laughs> you've ever seen. Um, but at the same time, in the moment you remove from self and all those, all those uh, roles, and you and you just like try to do things in a logical manner, yeah. try to um, establish a logical relationship with your environment, which is exactly what she's doing in this movie. And there's a good reason for her to be running a video game company, I guess. Um, then you're a psychopath. Like you, again, you just can't do it right. But I. It, I don't know that she's actually unemotional throughout. She's on a, she's definitely unemotional with the men in her life and she's unemotional with her mother who is a fucking nightmare, right? But she's emotional with she has an emotional response to her best friend Anna throughout the film even if she's, you know, sleeping with Anna's husband which I still think is an act of, of mercy, of, mercy. <laughs> <laughs> of destroying that relationship is an act is an actual act of mercy. Um, but also with the um, sorry to bring it up, but with the, the dying bird um, and, you know, her first response is to try is to take the bird from her cat uh, that her cat is eating um, and then to call someone to help the bird. Like, so it's not that she's devoid of empathy or feeling or compassion. It's just, just she doesn't necessarily have it for the men in her life, which I think is, is actually a logical response to the men in her life because they are so awful and disappointing. And the fact that, you know, um, any of them could have been the person that raped her. I think that this is actually a logical response to that situation of like, well, what do I know about them? 
what do I know about them in relation to me and what they're capable of doing to me? Um, I think that that's, you know, we take that because she doesn't sort of want to naturally, whatever natural means in, in this particular context, naturally mother her son, who is just a absolute violent, disappointing shithead, um, who also could be, could have been the guy that raped her, by the way, because he has like a kind of um, uh, violent response to her at several points through the, throughout the movie, you know, in, including like sort of getting in her face and calling her a cunt. Um, you know, her husband, her ex-husband, um, her uh, employees. Um, I So I think that that's actually a good response to have. I think that's a sort of defensive you know, but if a woman isn't sort of openly, willingly making herself vulnerable to men, then we see that as being pathological. You know, I think that says a lot more about us than it does about this character, who I think is actually, I think, you know, the more, the first time I, the first couple times I saw this movie, and I've seen, I've seen it a lot, um, you know, I was, uh, well, what a bitch. But um, the more that I watch it, the more I'm like, no, no, I, I agree with kind of almost everything that she does, except for maybe, you know, no, 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 I'm not even, I'm not even going to qualify it. Like, you know, whatever she needs to do is, is fine with me. I'm okay with it. Well, the, th the thing is there is not a single character in the movie apart from her friend, Anna, that is actually likable. Mm -hmm. And yet they are all very relatable. Like we, we all know these people, like we know each one of them. We know his son, uh, his extremely disappointing and sort of like emotionally disturbed son. We know his ex, her ex husband, uh, who is like you know, an artist, I guess, <laughs> a penniless artist who is uh, resentful and has a sense of entitlement that uh, his art is not recognized for what it is. Yeah, and and is willing now to become violent. Uh, as a as a response to that yeah. exactly and ends up dating like a what like a pilates trainer or yeah, yeah the yoga. Bikram, Bikram yoga <laughs> exactly the 24 year old that was cruel yeah that was a lot <laughs> and uh and uh and of course anna's husband who is like a total dick and God. who was played by so um verhoven has used that actor before to play a nazi uh which is appropriate Absolutely. Um, i think that that <laughs> That carries through, anyway. <laughs> exactly. So they are all like deeply unlikable, including her in in a number of ways. Um, even though she is justified, mm -hmm. like you can tell why she does the things she does the whole time. Like her behavior is perfectly explained by her context, uh, and yet their behavior is not. I mean, it's true that she's the she's the main character, but uh, but we are told through the movie that the reason why she behaves the way she does is because she's at war with an environment that is basically violent towards her mm -hmm. uh, from the very beginning. Like the first scene we 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 hear, uh, it sounds like a, like like sex and yet she's being raped by a violent uh, uh, stranger that that walks into her house and 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 knocks her down. So um, so, yeah, like the characters are not very uh, sympathetic in general. But uh, but still, like there is a good reason for everything she does the whole time, and yet she, I, I, it 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 bugs me uh, that no, like not so many people seem to think that she's like a feminist icon. 
which uh, yeah it, yeah she's obviously yeah <laughs> to me yeah but I, but i think that part of being a feminist icon is like um being uh, you have to overcome, right? Like you have to suffer and then overcome your circumstances, which would mean, I guess, sort of like crying in the shower because you've been raped and then, uh, you know, facing him down in a courtroom or something and, and put, getting him put in jail. But what you say about sort of like, you know, all of her behavior is understandable, but it's not, the men's behavior is not explained. You know, her response to the rape is explained via her shithead father uh, who was a mass murderer and her dealings with the police and the press and all that kind of stuff. But the rapist, he doesn't get a backstory um, because it's just sort of, I guess, assumed to be natural or understandable that a man will turn out to be a rapist and a sexual deviant. It's just, it doesn't need an explanation because this is just how men behave and and it's considered to be not um out of bounds of reality right and but a woman responding to a rape in a way that isn't of this very sort of standard um uh, experiencing it as a trauma, as, as something for the criminal justice system and so on, um, that's out of bounds and needs some sort of grounding in a absurd reality, which is my dad killed a bunch of people and now I'm really fucked up by it and all that and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah and got me involved and and i was the poster child for that right and then the <laughs> press like persecuted me and the police didn't believe that i wasn't as an 11 year old part of this sort of mass murder scheme you know yeah it's really it's um uh probably overselling it but um at the same time um if this had been a movie that didn't have that would you have bought her as a character that's a very good question actually i guess it put it being harder just because we have been trained for this like we are trained to expect that sort of explanation for women that you know that get out of hand yeah it has to be through trauma or something yeah exactly so because this movie could have you know, just as well uh, turn into a revenge fantasy, which would have been totally like, oh, you know, sake, uh, yeah. understandable and absolutely acceptable. What is not acceptable is that she doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. And yet she doesn't get destroyed either. And but also um, like I think there is a there is a like, you know, a, a clear uh, symbol uh, with a cat like she's got this cat that, you know, when she's trying to save this bird from the cat, what we are told is that, you know, that adorable cat that she has, has in instincts and that he can't help them. And uh, and this is pretty much what um, what her rapist's wife mm -hmm. tells her at the end, that, you know, that he had needs and that she was, you know, this woman that is a Christian that is like, I don't know, like blessing the food before she eats in a, in a, in a room full of people. Um, she tells her before she leaves that uh, that she's glad that that she served him well mm. on his needs <laughs> because yeah. he had the need to like you know beat her down and like break her stuff around the house and 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 rape her and 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 do her harm in order to satisfy his needs, which are like a cat's needs, like you know, 
Like yeah, they're some, natural. It's, exactly. It's nobody, it, and it doesn't need explaining. No. But, you know, it, but her, Michelle, uh, her refusal to play the role of prey throughout becomes a problem. And the wife is sort of, I guess, volunteering to play the role of the prey. And I, I mean, it's sort of that, that relationship is, it remains mysterious, but the, I guess the implication of that scene where she confesses to, or just says casually to, to Michelle, you know, I'm glad that you could meet his needs for a while. Sort of suggests that, that she was grateful to her for taking the role off of off of her, right? So that the wife had been the uh, the victim or the prey, and had been sort of uh, raped, perhaps in the in this relationship with her husband throughout, and she was just sort of grateful that somebody else could do that for could take over. could be to take over the role of of being of the of the raped lady um for a while that so that you know she could have a break and she could go on this um uh this trip to Spain where she sort of walked barefoot uh on this pilgrimage to see the pope you know um which if i if i was being raped systematically and i got like a two week break from that. Like, I think I would do other things. Like I think that I would, but maybe, maybe that's just me. But you have to give it to Verhoeven that he, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, leave any chances uh, untouched, I guess. Um, I, I didn't read it like that. Actually, oh. <laughs> the way I read, the way I read it was that um, she was um, in, like she was aware uh all the time, or at least for a very long time, that his husband was raping other women, mm -hmm. and that she was she was happy that that he would satisfy his need oh. um, uh, of 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 doing this predatory uh, you know uh, performance, I guess, yeah. uh, while she was just like being the perfect wife and the perfect Christian at home. It never occurred to me that she would be yeah. uh, satisfying that need herself because you know uh, that was not her role. Which is an interesting thing, yeah. like you know, this man. Uh, the way I saw him was that his wife was, you know, was playing wife, uh, and and that she would be protected and 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 cared for, and that she would be bearing children and looking after the house, and like I don't know, like planting some daffodils and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. that he would be raping uh, his neighborhoods <laughs> in order to <laughs> his, avoid his... raping her. Yeah, maybe. Um... But yeah, I mean, I guess because of all the the fucking god imagery, um, with uh, the nativity scene and the Pope stuff and the pilgrimage. I mean, Verhoeven loves the loves that shit. Um, I guess I assumed it was you know these these are your roles, ladies. Like you're you're um, you're subjugated to a male authority and and their needs are the important needs, you know, like uh Isabelle Huppert jerking off to the this guy as he carries one of the wise men to the nativity scene is is I mean, it's a lot. That image. That image is a lot, but I appreciate that it exists. It is hard to take because it also turns her into a very, very 
incredibly complex character and you would want to think it is contradictory but it is not because she yes. clearly she is taken by his uh performance of of um i don't know masculinity when he comes around her house and and he closes the the windows oh, the fucking <laughs> windows is, course, yeah like you know such a strong man and um and he does he does all this uh checking out the house and making sure she's okay and so there is this ongoing theme of of the guy that looks after you is is the guy that that hurts you yeah which like is, like a husband <laughs> exactly, or a dad or yeah. a dad <laughs> exactly which is something we are probably just wired into because this has been you know an ongoing theme uh forever he is such a dad so he doesn't have a child uh in the film but he wears the dad cardigan he tells the terrible jokes that nobody laughs at that he has to explain He's dancing and he air guitars inexplicably. Like he he is such a awkward dad figure throughout um throughout the entire movie. And you know, and she's masturbating to just the thought of him. And it's it's uh in the way in the way that it in the way that it's embarrassing who who we desire and all that kind of stuff. But the dad imagery of you know, everything from God the Father to her mass murdering fa uh, father, like actual father, and then this guy who behaves like the awkward sort of suburban dad bourgeois figure, um, who is totally boring and awkward and has nothing um, impressive about him, which is my favorite thing about the movie is that the, the rapist is not charismatic, is not magnetic, is not interesting in any way. He's just like this fucking suburban dad who doesn't even have kids like he can't even you know um get there that's yeah that's one of my favorite things about this entire movie yeah and also he gets killed by her own son yeah who get yeah it, he gets like um uh uranized like uranus saturn uh beating the shit out of uranus <laughs> um yeah it's um uh you know, it, the ending is a little bit weird because it's hard to tell if it's a setup or if it's just accident, like a coincidence and uh, good for everybody that this that this happens in the way that it does. But um, but yeah, it's this weird sort of shift from the bad suburban dad to the violent, boring son. Uh, the, the the power imbalance, you know, shifts. For God's sake, this movie. I know, it's so complex. I thought you were talking about the fact that the two girls end up uh, living together, which is, of course, like, you know, one of the crazy things about this movie that has never happened before is that that kind of character gets a happy ending because, of yeah. course, she's the perfect partner. Like, I mean, her friend Anna mm -hmm. is the partner that she needs all, yeah. all, all the way. Like, she's, she's the perfect partner at work already <laughs> and yeah. she has been her partner in life uh for a very very long time she has even been breastfeeding her own child I when know. she didn't when she couldn't do it and and you know even though there might be some sort of competition between them you kind of have the sense that the only reason why she's sleeping with her husband is so she can she can control her yeah <laughs> because who else is gonna who else is going who's who else is available like all, if all the men are disappointing and boring or violent 
um, what else is possible except to just shack up with your best girlfriend? I mean, that I think is the only hope in the entire movie. The, the whole movie is about men are disappointing and can't respond adequately to a woman who's actually experienced anything and, and who is unconventional and, and strange. And so the only hope in the entire film is that her girlfriend understands her and gets it and uh, forgives her for the things that she does uh, in her, you know, sleeping, sleeping with her husband, that whole thing. Absolutely. But then there is this one little magic moment where they talk about how they actually try to have sex. Yeah. And then they can stop laughing. <laughs> yes. And, and how it's, you know, it just didn't work out because they couldn't stop laughing. And, uh, and I think it's beautiful because what, what it's telling you is that they are, they are obviously partners. Like the, you, the only partners in the whole movie that, that actually work is this two women that work together, that share the life together. They even share a son in a way. In a way, yeah, yeah. Yes, because they are both mothers of this uh, awful kid. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, you know, at some point, they, they actually acknowledged the fact that the only thing that was missing from their relationship was sex, and they tried. <laughs> yeah, and also that, that, that uh, effort of, yeah, all the effort that Michelle puts into these relationships with men if if it's her ex-husband or her employees or whatever like all of that labor and attention and energy you know the possibility of just not doing that anymore if she just lives with this woman like imagine what she could i mean she's already the ceo of a successful video game company but imagine what any of us could do if we didn't have to pay attention to these fucking disappointing men in our lives. Like imagine if we could just cut that cord entirely and all the shit we could get done. It's It seems magic to me, but it also like a fantasy world that I will never actually find the door into because yeah, I'm just gonna stop talking at this point. No, it's fine, Jesse. Let's, let's just run off together. <laughs> you, you know the men in my life. You know what I'm talking about. Let's just do it. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to start a video game company together. And exactly. Then, yeah. A very violent one. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, uh, the thing that I that I'm like persistently amazed uh, with this film is is the fact that feminists are so angry about it. Like oh, what? Fucking what, hate it. Yeah. What is about this movie that makes feminists so angry? I am. I'm really embarrassed that this was made by men. Like I am actually. Um, disappointed in women that we did not tell this story first. Because yes, I, I, as a feminist, I would be angry. I am actually angry about that. But yeah. that's the one thing that I am angry about. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I do think that it's, um, uh, oh my God. So I just feel like I am reading so many, or I'm reading the first chapter of a lot of novels these days of, uh, um stories that are have been traditionally told by men of the older man and the and the younger woman or the the unfaithful husband or whatever but now just told by women like why are we so why are why is this what we're fucking doing and spending our time doing is like, are we really just trying to correct the record of the Woody Allen films? Like, shouldn't we just pretend like the Woody Allen films don't exist? Like, do we really have to retell all of that 
fucking bullshit from our perspective what does that accomplish just fucking burn it to the, pretend it doesn't exist like just do something else like why i don't understand why this is what we're spending our time on and instead of telling stories like this about other ways that life can be it, it's horrifying to me that so much of women's women's culture uh women's art um literature film etc is just the same fucking story but told from the woman who's being persecuted her angle i don't give i don't care i don't care about I don't care about her trauma. I don't care what she's going through. I don't care that she overcomes because every in every in all of these stories, the woman overcomes her situation bravely and with her dignity intact. Like fuck, and gets that's her man. Fuck, <laughs> fuck, <laughs> and dignity. Her children. Yeah, fuck dignity. Fuck being rewarded with uh, husbands and children. I, I I absolutely do not care. L is the most radical feminist film and it was made by men and we should be deeply fucking embarrassed by that fact yeah and grateful i guess and grateful kind of yeah um somebody should go hug paul verhoeven i wasn't gonna say hug but yeah hi paul. doing it now <laughs> <laughs> hello paul <laughs> yeah but also it's like um even when women are robots uh, they have the same a problem with the narrative because uh, if you're following Westworld, which I am, oh, for God's sake, yeah, no, I know, yeah, there is this, uh, there is this plot going on where, uh, and I, and I, honestly, I think Westworld is is a very well written show. I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, persistently amazed by uh, how how incredibly well, uh, well sorted out in all possible ways uh, the show is. Um, but there is the scene where the two main characters, like the two, say, um, you know, point of rebellion in this in this sort of like singularity uh, plot are two women, uh, one of them a prostitute and the other one the daughter, the the farmer's daughter, mm -hmm. daughter, and um, and both of them get sorry spoiler, uh, but both of them get like over and over again they get dropped by their emotional written <laughs> um, relationship with some daughter or with some father which is like seriously like you know you you have you have to be like it's like they are they are capable of overcoming pretty much anything in the planet and the fact that this is a written script not in the sense that the show is a written script but the fact that they both know <laughs> that their relationship to this other robot <laughs> is an yeah. actually written script. Like it's a myth. It's a it's a lie. It's a, it's a it's a story that has been made up in order for them to perform in, a, in an artificial world where they will probably get raped and killed. Doesn't stop them from being trapped by it. Yeah, which is pretty much the thing. No, it's like you know identifying this narratives and being able to point point at them and 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 say they are not all right that they don't do not benefit women does not stop us from behaving uh you know according to a character and the the other sort of uh, two women besides michelle and anna um are michelle's mother and the uh the girlfriend of michelle's son 
And they are obviously trapped in similar narratives because uh, her mother, you know, who was married to this mass murderer and who can't understand why Michelle might not want anything to do with her father and sort of presses her to constantly to go visit her father in jail and to have a relationship with him and to forgive him and to understand him. And then she's also having an affair with, with Rolf um who ralph and who is a gigolo um and is willingly stepping into this role of being taken advantage of by an obvious sort of con man um and then there is uh the the girlfriend uh, of her son who is who just like provokes and sort seems to get off uh, on this guy's violence and um and it seems like, uh, you know, they sort of stand in for how a lot of women have decided to respond to male violence is to be just like in, in a constant dynamic with it rather than stepping outside of it, which is what both Michelle and then Anna finally do. Um, and, but I feel like so many women artists and writers and so on just want to tell those stories of being trapped in it rather than standing outside of it. And I, I'm just bored with the with the whole endeavor. But the character itself, no, the characterization, I guess, if that's a word in English. Um, yeah, yeah, me too. But then, yeah, yet again, like that's why I find all this Westworld uh, plot so interesting because they're literally <laughs> robots <laughs> trapped in a in a in a narrative that has been written for them in order to entertain uh and actual that's, humans and that's what it, humans find entertaining right it yes is, yeah, exactly yeah. because it meets their standards and it, and they are and they are predictable in a way and that and then it meets their 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 fantasies because their fantasies have also been written for them mm -hmm. even though they think they it's it's a different thing like so this the way these robots realize that that all these narratives have been written for them and they are not actually part of their of their lives um uh it it, it runs parallel to humans realizing that these fantasies have been written for them uh but in this movie like it is like every everybody is 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 running on schedule in that regard no everybody is perfectly happy with their role and uh and there's this woman in the middle of it that 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 is trying to find someone that is stronger enough <laughs> to handle her, yeah. and she and she is so poorly served <laughs> in that in that regard that she ends up rooting for this, uh, you know, sort of like weird weird. Um, you know, boring suburban uh, oh, the dad, uh, yeah. neighbor that happens to be a rapist, which is the most interesting thing about her. And um, and I think it's very interesting that when when they there is a point in the movie where it seems like they are going to have a romance, that somehow yeah. her lucking and his lucking are somehow going to meet ends and do something wonderful with it, which is yeah. what Hollywood would yeah. like them to do. And yet he takes her to this uh, to this uh, garage space and beats the shit out of her because yeah. that's what he likes to do. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what, what, not what he wanted. What he wants to do is to explain the furnace system to her and then beat the shit out of her. But I think that that's also you know I mean the whole I think that making him very dad like without actually making him a father is 
I mean, you know, come on. The uh the the fact that if a woman or a girl is going to be murdered, the fact that you know it's going to be either her husband or her dad who does it, uh, and and the sort of incest po- uh, opportunity that's built into the nuclear family just from the get go, uh, I think that there's a lot going on with the weird dad imagery, and I think that even the god stuff sort of gets into it as well. Um, yeah, I think it's so potent and so not uh, has not necessarily been commented on in a in a thorough way. But you know, the cardigan that he wears is so it's so dad. It's so my oh my dad has that cardigan. I can't. Yeah, yeah he's disgusting. Yeah, but the, what you're saying is basically that uh, everything they do, everything this man do, mm-hmm. like the uh, the father that is a mass murderer. Um, the the son that is a violent piece of shit, uh, like a how do you say like a like a like a non non good <laughs> yeah. doing person. Yeah. Uh, like we are told that he was selling drugs before, and now yeah. suddenly now he's works having a child that obviously isn't his. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, and he works in a in a McDonald's that, and it's a job that he can't keep. But like how. How, you I know he gets not. fired from McDonald's. <laughs> oh. and uh, and and you know, sort of like this this weak character, and then and then you know, a, a, like a like a yeah, like her her ex husband, which is an artist that will not produce art that is good enough on itself <laughs> for him to survive uh, on it, and then yeah, and then, but he won't. But it's not just that; it's that he won't commit himself either way. He won't either commit himself to be like a true artist and and remove himself from the sort of bourgeois trappings, or he won't sort of like just fully admit that he's sold out. Right? Like he's in this in between space of having no integrity whatsoever, um, of feeling entitled to money, but without sort of like. Burning um, it. But yeah, but I mean, so he's like, he has a video game idea, but it's not even a good enough video game idea. Like he, he believes so delusionally in his own artistic um, integrity that he obviously just doesn't have. So he just, yeah, anyway, sorry, I interrupted because uh, that character just makes me so angry. It tickles you, yes. Um, well, the thing is that each one of this entirely disappointing men have a woman that somehow enables them, no? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, the father has this mother that even though she's like sleeping with his court and, and uh, you know, like uh, having her own life and, and, and telling her daughter that she should accept it, she's still like rooting for the, this husband and not caring about her daughter that was clearly the victim here. Even yeah. she has to say at some point that she was a victim of of her father's uh, yeah. uh, endeavors. Yeah. Um, and then and then you know each one of them uh seems to seems to have like you know entitlement uh of of their own and yet they need a woman to make their life possible even the rapist is like why aren't you a lone wolf that somehow lives by himself and rapes women in the neighborhood as you do as you do <laughs> no you have to have a christian wife uh and try to have a family and like you know do all this uh christmas um uh, uh, thing so uh yeah it's like she 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 presents the only um 
front uh, to narratives that are poisoned uh, from scratch. And, and, and still, like, I can, I can see how this would be very annoying for men because, you know, that means that uh, their plots are not viable, viable anymore. Yeah. That there is a breed of women yeah. that somehow has decided that this is just not good enough. Um, and yet, um, I, I still find it mysterious that feminists uh, reject this movie as, as something unacceptable. Because I think it in, it indicts their behavior of enabling men like this. I mean, the, just the fact that these men are presented without backstory and so just like instantly understandable um, sort of says a lot about our culture that we just expect men to behave in these shitty ways and we don't need any sort of psychological grounding. Like now we we all know the story is about why you know men supposedly turn out this way rather than holding them responsible for these decisions for being absolute monstrous pieces of shit but if a woman behaves in, in a way it has to have some sort of understanding but um you know the movie indicts all of the women who who don't stand outside of these dynamics who enable the mass murderer who enabled the gigolo who enabled the violent boyfriend and and it doesn't let them off the hook one bit and sort of shows them to be grotesque and i feel like you know those women are probably more quote unquote you know relatable to an audience than michelle isabel huper um showing up as a sort of fully formed character who who just refuses any of these roles um so of course if you identify with or you if you find yourself being sympathetic to one of the other women characters um then of course you're going to take it personally of course you're going to feel sort of um uh not persecuted but um uh you know accused and i think uh, that's a fair uh, assessment of what the movie is, you know, kind of playing around with. And if you do relate to those women, then maybe you should do more sort of soul searching rather than uh, blaming the movie for uh, pointing out that you're probably kind of a piece of shit. I don't know. That's that's just my idea. <laughs> that's just my take. Yeah, and also the solution that this movie presents. Um, Radical lesbianism. Yeah. Exactly. It's like what the movie is clearly saying is even though you guys don't like having sex with each other because you tried and and you only found it funny. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like that's not the point. Like sex is irrelevant. Yeah. Which is quite a radical statement really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could, I mean, not, neither of them seem like they would have trouble finding sex on the side. But to build a life, that's a different thing, right? To build a life with somebody else, that's a much different thing than fucking somebody. So if you could just find somebody to fuck and then somebody else more adequate to build a life with, that's a much more radical act, I think. Um, so just fuck the men and then live with the women. I think that, that that's my entire, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, I see your point. Yeah. Um, but then again, the most radical thing in the movie is not the idea that you can actually partner up with someone that is perfect for you, even though you want you don't you don't want to fuck 
that person. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's more that you your desire is so intrinsically uh, linked to the sense of protection, and you know, a, yeah, again, a performance of 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 safety. Uh, then, then is that is good for you? <laughs> yeah, and the whole—I mean, so much of it is about how desire is really embarrassing. Um, who we desire is embarrassing and bad for us. And and, and you know, as you said while we were watching the film, um, you know, men often cause harm in order to be the one to take care of you after, right? Like, so the rapist. Um, gets into this dynamic with Michelle of causing harm and then, and then taking care. And then, you know, he's the one that she calls when she gets into a car accident and he pulls her out of the car wreck and all this kind of, like, it's, it's really that these are the purposes that men serve in our lives because that's what we've been trained to look for is um, men who make a show of protecting, of taking care of making harm go away. Um, but then they are also often the person that causes the harm and the hurt um, that they now have to take away. And they are also not good at those tasks because, you no, know, they're awful. At she it. happens to have a lot of sex during the movie. Yeah. And yet every time she has sex is like incredibly and um, embarrassingly disappointing. Yeah. Like the first people, the first person that she has sex with is her rapist, which mm -hmm. is like unwilling sex. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and uh, and it is obviously uh, not the kind of sex that you would want to have. And then uh, she has sex with her lover and her lover, like she's totally like, you know, uh, clearly not interested in it. And her lover takes us at something as he does the whole film, uh, as something that she's doing for him, like she's playing dead. Yeah, and, and he gets off on it. He's like, oh, where exactly. did you get that idea? Yeah, exactly. Like there's nothing that she can do to express her disinterest in what's happening that he won't take as some sort of come on. And it's, yeah. Yeah, that he will that he will read as a message. Because of course, uh, of yeah, of course, non interest. Yeah. Because you know that would never happen. Yeah. It's like when she, when she, when he calls and she says, "Look, I have the period, and and you know I'm not feeling that well." And his answer is, "I don't care about that. Yeah. I'm not scared of some blood." It's yeah. like. How is this all about you? <laughs> well, every time that he calls, she makes an excuse for why she, it's like, I have my period. I've just been raped. And then I was in a car accident and I fucked up my knee. And his response every time is, I don't care. Exactly. You don't need your knee yeah, <laughs> for and what it, I'm going to do you. <laughs> and it's just, and every time it's just easier for her to acquiesce and to just like lie there like a dead object rather than to have an argument with him. And because maybe if she does resist in some way or say no, like maybe he slaps her around or something. So it's just easier for her to, you know, the, the sex acts that, that they show are her playing dead and then her like jerking him off into a trash can. And at no point does she seem to be getting any pleasure out of this. The only orgasm she has in the entire film is from um, when she has the sort of, you know, consensual, non-consensual sex with her rapist um, in the basement after he's shown her how the furnace works. Actually, the only orgasm that she actually has is by herself when she's looking oh, at him. Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot about that nativity. one. Sorry. Oh, God, what's wrong with me that I don't remember that one? Oh, fuck. But the funny thing is that the only thing stopping these two women from having the best 
partnership that they could ever have is sex. And yeah. yet, and both yet. of them are having shit sex with everyone yeah. around them. <laughs> and it doesn't occur to them that they could like outsource that and build a life. But yeah, because you know, Anna is obviously not having life shaking sex with her husband, she but she's, says. but she's willing to have, she's willing to like, you know, live with him and, and build a life with him. Um, and Michelle is not having amazing sex with any of her sexual partners, but she also doesn't think to do it. Yeah. I mean, what's stopping women from just cutting men out of the whole sort of domestic equation altogether? Is it just that we're afraid of, but every movie about marriage is about how the sex is bad. Like every TV show, every movie is about how disappointing sex is once you get married. So just fuck it. Like just outsource the sex and just live with the women that you like living with. Yeah, I guess this is a very punk movie. But the punkiest thing of it all is the fact that uh, what it's telling you is that you're having sex uh, that is pretty bad anyway like yeah, sex is just sex a transition is bad. A, like a transition handshake yeah. for something else that you think you need uh but you can actually have amazing like if if only you removed the you know the perception of sex as something that is that is uh, required for uh for a, a happy a happy partnership then yeah. probably you would be fine but I'm worried that then people are going to take this conversation and be like, oh, then I should just be polyamorous because <laughs> polyamorous people are the worst people. I so know. it's not. They can't stop talking about it, which is interesting. Yeah. Stop, talk <laughs> stop talking about how you're polyamorous. Exactly. Um, we got it. We understand. <laughs> we know what's going on. Just shh. <laughs> It's not that we don't get it. It's not like Radiohead. You know how Radiohead in the 90s, like, you know, you couldn't just not like them. Yeah. Because no. if you didn't like them, it was because you didn't get it. Right. And then people and so would explain them explain to you. Explain it to you. <laughs> like, people want to explain polyamory to you now. Yeah. Like, no, we get I it. totally. Yeah, we get it. Just if you just not complex. Just do it and just don't ever talk about it ever. Yeah. Oh, the only thing I was going to mention, the only other thing I was going to mention. Um, is uh, the, which I had not noticed before this time, was, so they're making this video game about rape, right? About this uh, orc or ogre or whatever the fuck that is raping, rapes a, a blonde woman, a, a young blonde woman who is then transformed into some sort of phoenix from the ashes into this super powerful like and has the boner moment as it's as michelle subtle. calls it yeah it's not in not any way subtle. subtle but um but i think that that's what uh so many movies about rape like that's that's actually the arc is that you're you're raped and then you're transformed into an even more powerful person and like after you face down your your rapist in the courtroom or whatever and i and i think that it's a weird little tiny satire within the film of the the standard rape narrative of that you're somehow improved by by your own rape um by by your trauma and sometimes it's yeah, I mean, the, the dick is an all-powerful uh, mechanism that uh, makes us all stronger and better. Yeah, yeah. And um, But I think that it is like this kind of weird little uh, comment on what we expect um, a rape victim to do in a film 
which is to be transformed and made more powerful because of the rape rather than just sort of, uh, Michelle just kind of is the same person before and after. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's actually like culturally disturbing because, you know, the magic wand of, uh, of the phallus. <laughs> Uh, coming up upon your being yeah. is supposed to transform you in a number of ways. If it's if it's an an in, an unintended, I guess um, you can you, you have a very very limited range uh, of responses to it. One of them is killing yourself, yeah. uh, which yeah. is a very wildly accepted response to rape, yeah. or and murdering the person who did it. Exactly, yeah. revenge, uh, and then you become the revenge angel, which yes. is, you know, yeah. obviously a, a like a cliche in in movies, and and the the one that she takes, which is like I'm just gonna just cl clean up <laughs> the house and, and order pick, some sushi, yeah, pick up the pots and order sushi and and you know and 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 lie down with my cat and and there is the scene where she's in the in the bath, which is very disturbing, really. But she's in the bathtub, and and you realize that she's being hurt internally, no, like yeah. very, very deeply, like, like literally very deeply, and 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 she sees the blood, and she's like, Neh. <laughs> she's like, let's not, let's just not talk about this, let's just like move forward, yeah. and um, and it tells you a lot about the character, like she's literally moving forward, like she has thought about it, and she has decided that it's just not good for her to do anything else than moving forward and keep going with her life and mm. get ready like it's not like she doesn't do anything like she changes the locks and she gets someone to you know to look after her windows and she buys a hammer and she buys a pepper spray and you know she takes a number of different measures in order to defend herself what she doesn't do is crumble and when she's telling her friends uh, she's even embarrassed about it because probably it doesn't do much. Like the only thing that it does is turn her into a victim. And this is not productive at all. Yeah. Like, you know, she takes, it is it is unfair to say that she is the same person afterwards because she's not like, you know, she, she takes all this like safety measures, uh, which are the logical ones to take. And then she's fantasizing about how she's going to, like how she would have done it better as you do in a video game no yeah, like you yeah. know how like this recurrence where you just you know play the same event over and over again you just become better you get it right it. yeah yeah and then and then she's fantasizing about how instead of getting raped and lying there uh she takes this object from the from the table and she hits his head and, and kills her <laughs> and kills him sorry and um and so it's not like she's been unscarred by it it's just that her behavior is logical about it like she's doing everything in her power to to be prepared for the next time yeah. if it happens no i think i mean the, the whole the whole thing is like we are um, somehow scandalized by a woman that meets violence with being prepared for violence yeah. that meets violence with a clear head and of course, this character has met violence very early in life, and uh, and her relationship to men is mediated by her relationship to her father, with someone that introduced violence over life very quickly, as happens um, to a lot of women. Yeah. Exactly. But um, but um, yeah. Uh, the thing is that 
it and unusually like the 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 normal thing to happen with this kind of movies like even the revenge angel ends up fucked up yeah. like you either die in one of your you know schemes mm-hmm. <laughs> or you know like somehow like a john of arc sacrificing yourself in the altar of your own revenge because a creature like this cannot exist in a world uh where we want to live or you you turn into your own uh, into your own uh nightmare in the sense in the Nietzschean sense that you know you become the the nightmare that you're trying to fight and the amazing thing about this movie is that it not only um cuts the like you know like like provides an alternative to the uh to the bullshit standard of narrative for this but it also provides a happy ending where she goes and lives with a person that does not cause violence in her own life and that uh that is happy uh in her company and i feel like the traditional sort of you know women's stories sense of this movie would be to redeem her through a better lover like a like a a more compassionate man who would understand what she had been through and and be tender with her and and you know heal her through through this love which i don't think yeah but i don't think that that you know necessarily exists um and uh, that a sort of reimagining in a radical sense of what a relationship is and does and how to um, rebuild a sense of safety and a resense of the domestic. Um, I think that that's more interesting than just being like, oh, but it's a different man and a better man. And so it's, and so that's what fixes things is it is just it's just a better it's just a better man this reminds me super cynical but uh here here we all are (laughs) this reminds me of a of an interview that chair gave uh in the 90s where uh she was telling this story where uh after she divorced a man that that you know that famously bit her up (laughs) bit the shit out of her um her mother kept saying to her I just want you to meet um, a, a rich, uh, nice man. And she kept telling her mother, but mom, I am the rich, nice man. Yeah. <laughs> I am already rich. Yeah. I am that I am that person. I don't need anything else. And, and, and her mother just didn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, like a, like, yeah, like, like a, yeah, like a narrative that, that permeates pretty much, uh, every aspiration that we have as women and that's the most annoying annoying thing about this this movie that it breaks every single pattern (laughs) (laughs) in the romantic narrative uh that has been established since the 1920s i know and we just have to be grateful for it and somehow bitter that it wasn't one of us that did it i know i know fuck you but also thank you Paul Verhoeven for for giving this great gift to us. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thank you, Paul. (laughs) Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram 
at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.